When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello and welcome to this joint episode of Superhero Ethics and Pandavision. Today we are continuing our coverage of The Witcher Season 2, talking about Episodes 5 and 6 with myself, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Hoppy. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. As I said, I'm joined by Ashley and Paul. Um, to both of you, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Good Yule, um, Krampus. You know, did you get to air your grievances for Festivus? Did you get uh, many fun new presents under the tree or uh, at the sacrificial log? Or, or yeah, what, what'd you call it? How you doing? Great. Really good. It was a good holiday. How was yours? Mine was good. Mine was good. I had planned on making a brisket for 25 people. Uh, it The smoker that I'd gotten for Hanukkah shut off halfway through. Uh, so I woke up to find that the meat was not going to be ready in any amount of time. So I had to audible and made chili for 25 people, which I was pretty darn proud to be able to pull off. So, you know, it all worked out. Uh, chili seems like oh, a good audible happen. meal, I guess. You know, yeah. Having like that many beans and tomatoes on hand is not the... I, my, my partner always teases me about how much extra like food we have around the house. So being able to just like, oh, yeah, yeah. cook for 25 people with what's <laughs> in hand. Got this. We... um. I, I may have had a minor Festivus miracle, um, <laughs> although that's pending some other stuff, so I won't talk about it. Um, I did not air as many grievances as I had intended, but uh, okay. perhaps I'll do some of that today. And uh, yeah, joyous Kwanzaa. It's uh, what, the second day of Kwanzaa, I think. Mm-hmm. We did Kwanzaa. get to chat about Matrix 4 a little bit, which did involve quite a lot of sharing of grievances. On there there were some grievances shared, yes. <laughs> did you guys no spoilers. Like it? Did you like did it? Did you watch it also? I did. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. I I I liked a lot of it. I had some issues with some of it. Um, my, my review was it's a movie. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I turned to uh, no spoilers, but I turned to my husband like an hour in, and I was like, I I can't give a fuck about what's happening right now. Yeah, I, I, I've been I, on my phone for the last hour. <laughs> Lee fell asleep. I turned the movie off halfway through. We came back two days later. She fell asleep again. <laughs> I turned it off with twenty minutes left. There, it did nothing that made me angry. So I guess yeah. there's yeah. that. Well, but I liked like the first movie, just, so that was just yeah, this yeah, again. yeah. yeah exactly. I, I felt like after 
as bad as Reloaded and Revolutions were, I was glad that Lana Wachowski got to like finish the story more her way. But I'm happy to never see it again. Did you watch <laughs> Sense Eight? Did you watch her TV show on Netflix? I loved yeah. it. Yeah, Mary so loved many it. people hated it, and I really liked it. Did you no, recognize Wolfgang? I was like Wolfgang. So many actors from it. <laughs> so many actors. All right. All right. Sorry. Um, no, no. Now I, let's I, talk I about a up. series that did make us angry. <laughs> I also will say Don't Look Up is maybe one of the best movies I've seen in the last 10 years. Mm. Absolutely. People should see it. Definitely should talk about it. We're There's watching s- it tonight. Good. Yeah. We were 100% doing an ethics, uh, ethics episode about it sometime soon. But first, uh, let's go into the safe, happy world of witches and wizards and swords and uh, beautiful people in beautiful outfits. Uh, so we watched <laughs> episode five and six. Uh Let's start in the festive spirit with an airing of grievances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's one or two scenes that some people might have had some strong feelings on. I'm furious. Talk to us. I'm furious. I'm going to let Paul talk for me, but I don't see the point of killing the horse. I don't know why we did that. I just didn't care for it. And I'm like, why do we keep doing this with these animals? Like, who cares? Yeah. And I think uh, you nailed it at the end with the last two words. Who cares? Like, ultimately... Um, people just don't care about animals that much. Like people care about specific animals that matter to them that maybe have names. When writers are writing, they're often just like, ah, ghosts, ghosts can just be off screen because we don't have the effects budget to have them be on screen all the time. Or, you know, um, and it's, I mean, it's hard in live action. Uh, And in fact, in that scene where Geralt gets Roach killed, by just bringing him off to like some dragon to be bait, basically, which wasn't overtly the plan. I think it was more to use Siri as as bait, but like, what's Roach doing there? Like, right. you know, I mean, to me, actually, I, I hated the scene and I hate the way writers are. I think they were mostly just like, well, we kind of think they should be on foot for the next episode and uh we want series so- you know give series something to mourn you know so this will be kind of upsetting and whatever and then we can show like how much Geralt like cares for Roach by like how he kills him you know when he's wounded and doesn't even really give any thought to whether he could help him I fast forwarded that part yeah I didn't want I didn't even want to say it I didn't know so he actually he he has to like put him down he, I mean, he chooses to. I didn't to. watch it. I was pissed. Like, yeah. he chooses okay. to, yeah. And it's there's, like, gurgling sounds as he likes... I'm like, isn't there a faster way to do this also? Like, is that really the... Okay, the most humane way to, to kill a horse? But um, it it kind of actually, to me, was a <laughs> nice... I'm making air quotes. Um, parallel to Tissaia's way of caring for Yennefer, where she is completely abusive, puts her in danger repeatedly... Um, and does actually have feelings for her. Like, she cares about her, like, in this, you know, motherly way, but, like, treats her like shit and is extremely abusive. And I think this parallels a lot of the ways that that humans treat animals in, like, you know, writing stories, animation, and stuff about, like, cute animals that are, like, you know, nice characters, and, you know, you got your cat or your dog or whatever, and, and maybe horses, and, and, like, those really matter to you. But then, like, you know, there's pigs who are, like, smarter than, like, a human two-year-old, and, like, it's like, well, you know, you can get imprisoned for life and then slaughtered for my lunch. Like, to me, it, like, it shows just how there's, I think, this disconnect in, in the way that humans think about some animals and then treat other animals or even treat the ones that they supposedly care about. And to me, it's sort of like, I don't know. I was like, 
the main reason I want to do this episode is not to be like, you're a horrible person for doing this. Like, you're just a person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe just give it a little bit of thought. And that's all. And, like, right. maybe that leads you to make some changes in life. Maybe it doesn't. But, like, for anything where, like, I feel really strongly about things being a certain way, I'm always just, like, just give it some thought. And then, like, you make the choices you make. But, like, yeah. anyway, that's that's pretty much my piece. Like, I found it an extremely unpleasant scene to watch. It kind of made me hate the show. Um, but then, uh, the, you know, there were other things that were good. And that's yeah. kind of yeah. like people. That's like shows. Yeah, it was pointless. Yeah. I. This is one of those things we're definitely talking with you more has really, uh, Paul, has helped helped me see these things in new ways. And I think it, it's funny because it's, for me, when I see a scene like this, it's kind of two things coming together. One is the conversations that you know you and I have had about, uh, and that, uh, that I've had with both of you and with a lot of other people as well about you know the way that animal deaths are treated on screen and that like an- animals themselves, you know, it's like they're useful and when they're cute and adorable, we like that, but we don't think about the terrible things that are done to them. And honestly, the conversation about fridging mm, yeah. and the whole idea of like a female character or sometimes this is not often considered part of fridging itself, but sometimes it's often a person of color's character, like where that person dies and their character really only existed to be uh, a character prop. And then their death is to be an important character moment for this white male character. Right. Um, like, not, like what's her name in the, the very first episode whose name I can't remember because they killed her off. So that girl would have these feelings about protecting princesses. Right. Yep. Exactly. And like, there's here's here's where I sort of come down on the fridging side of it is that like and I know because you and I sometimes disagree on how far to take it is I, I do think that like sometimes like one character dying is an important moment in someone else's story and absolutely I I don't object to the idea that some characters are going to die and that like to me a story where all the characters are always going to make it to the end is is not as interesting to me like I want there to be stakes etc and. But I think one of the things that the Phrygian conversation really focuses on is the idea of, like, is that when it's so constant and when there aren't enough, like, women characters who get to be fully embodied characters on their own, but they just are there to die for the male characters, you know, growth or whatever it is. And I think, I, I think I'm comfortable saying, like, kind of a similar thing happens here is that, like, because you're right, Roach isn't a character. And, you know, folks might say, like, how can an animal be a character? Watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Avatar, you know, Appa is just as much of a character in that as, as you know, any of the others. And I think Roach had always been, you know, cause the nature of it is that uh, you didn't have a character who talked to him the way um, uh, 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 God. Aang. Aang, thank you. Aang could talk to Appa. But still, like, I mean, Roach was there and Roach was, was you know, someone we cared about, but was mostly just there to, like, be, you know, um... Gerald's, you know, friend. And and I think at first there was something really important that they were trying to say about, like, this is a person who sees the evil in humanity and is also such an outsider that his horse is much more of a best friend to him than any other person can be. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I think it's just, like, if it was... I think his death could be an important part of Gerald's story. But the fact that it's the animal dying to be someone's story is told so often that makes it annoying. And and just, yeah, it wasn't done in a – it felt like they couldn't decide if this was your useful mode of transportation is broken or your best friend is dead. Right. And yeah. I felt like because of that, they didn't, give enough, it, they didn't give enough attention to that. And that's when it just felt like 
they're not honoring the kind of relationship that they wanted us to feel like was happening here. And it was just very random. Like it was at the beginning of the episode and it was like, what a random rock dactyl. I don't know what the heck that thing was, but I don't, it was just, it just felt thrown in there and rushed. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. To me, like <clears throat> I, I'm not against characters ever dying. I think sometimes you mischaracterize, mischaracterize my stance as being that, but mm-hmm. it's like, I don't like when writers are writing to it's like when a character's death like solves a problem for them as writers Mm, and when something feels very contrived or they're just like we want to make you feel something so we're gonna kill this you know when 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 i've seen people say well the point of art or the point of writing is to make you feel something and i'm like i don't think that's the point I think that's mm-hmm. a thing you can do with writing. That's a thing you can do with art. It's not the only thing you can do. And to say, like, that's the point, I think is absurd. If you say that's the right. point of my writing, fine. You know, that can be true. But um, I, I think you make a lot of good points in that it's the frequency of such things, right? Like when particular types of characters, whether, you know, they're female or, you know, people of color or aliens or robots or animals like and it's just like well these you know what i one of our first episodes was titled like who can we kill right and it was yeah. like basically like whose lives basically don't matter in <laughs> fiction and you know this just kind of comes down to that for me and it also it did I, actually i agree it felt very random and honestly when it was happening i was like oh are they killing off the horse and like I felt like I couldn't actually see what was happening. And that's probably because of animal rights activists. Because, like, you know, if you try and have the horse actually physically do whatever it is that's going to kill the horse, you might endanger the horse more than you already do by putting them in your movie. So, like, I thought that was also just, like, an interesting little, like, okay, so they can't show it the way they want to show it anyway. You know, and it, Mm -hmm. it it just felt so, like, like, it felt like the first episode of this series did to me. You know, I felt like... They were... And why wouldn't Siri have somebody to mourn? She lost So many everybody. people, exactly. Like, you didn't need <laughs> to add this. And it just... Yeah. It just felt... Yeah. To me, I honestly felt like it was primarily about transportation. And I was like, fuck you, writers. Yeah. So... I think for me, one of the other things that bothered me is... And, and maybe I maybe I was holding on to this more than, than the writers were telling me I should. Like I said, I, I really liked the idea that Roach was the one person Gerald could relate to the most. Yeah. And now, like... Yes, he had Yaskier as his bard for a while, but he never really let down his walls with him. He never really let down his walls with Yennefer. He did let down his walls with Yennefer, then they went back up, etc. With Siri now, he is starting to form a real relationship. And I really didn't like the idea of now he doesn't need Roach. Now he has someone else, both in terms of his character, but also for the writers. Like, now he has someone else to to narrate to instead of to the horse. And so, yeah, it just, it all felt... Wrong. Maybe devil's advocate here. Now he's completely alone. When we're going into this la- next episode, he lost Siri, he lost Yen, and now he lost the horse. Right. So he's completely alone. Well, and so that to me is like just the ultimate, just like but writers still, like, meddling, yeah. writing to that point. We want to make him alone. So we're going to kill them. We're going to kill them. Oh, we'll have her taken off here. You know, it, yeah. it feels, it's that kind of feeling of contrivance to me. And I, I do think him feeling totally alone at that point is relevant. You know, I, I think that's a thing, mm-hmm. but right. um, but just the way it was, it felt really kind of stupid and random. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's still alone. Yeah, and there could well, even especially... be ways of writing basically what happened differently and yeah. not having it feel quite as ridiculous. I think. 
especially because I feel like if you had for some reason like tuned in late, you know, and you walked in 15 minutes into the episode, you might ask yourself, why are they walking? Right. But there's nothing about the way his character is portrayed that tells you I am now looking at a man who's just lost his best friend of 15 years mm-hmm. or however many years it was, you know, and I think that was like it, it's one of those things where, again, like I I think there's ways to make that in a, a, an appropriate part of the story. But part of that would be like you have to see him being fundamentally shook right. and changed. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't get that. I think one of the things that I also picked up on, and I know you, I, I kind of had a fun conversation with you two because I kept talking about this uh, when I thought it happened, but you two had finished the episode. <laughs> oh, it was is, so hard not to spoil that. <laughs> I know. The way, the way that it was shot, I wonder if you two felt this in the moment, is you get a scene of, of Vesemir fighting. Vesemir, yeah. his, his mentor figure, and it looks like v- and Vesemir takes a very serious blow, and I thought Vesemir was dead. And then Roach was going to die right afterwards. And I was just like, later in the episode, we find out Vesemir is still alive, which is why you two, I was like, why aren't you getting upset with me about right, that both right. of them died at the same time? <laughs> I like, thought about Paul and that scene. I was, because I thought he right. was dead too. I was like, uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, I don't think they'll kill him off in this episode. It'll probably be a couple more episodes. Um, but mm. I, I, but yeah, I, they filmed it specifically. In the, is he dead? I don't know. Will Frodo come out <laughs> out of the water, or will he drown? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was just so weird to have that, and then Roach's death, and like pretty much yeah. the next scene, or like the next two or three scenes. All right. So putting that part aside, obviously we had some real issues with that. What else did you think, or like, or not, uh, general thoughts on these two episodes? I actually liked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I got to, like, I'm very happy that everybody got to meet up again. I've been mm, talking yeah. about it every episode, mm-hmm. and I just, like, couldn't wait for it. Um, I'm upset at Yen. Everybody seems to be growing except for Yen. <laughs> like, they're oh, being more open. Everybody's telling the truth. Like, we have Siri finally talking to uh, Gerald about mm-hmm. what she did with the four boys and, you know, them finally having, like, these breakthroughs. Um. But I just feel like Yen, she just keeps doing the same thing, like just trying to take care of everything on her own. Yeah. I I did really love when she basically figured out a way to, without magic, cast Fireball. Um, The whole, like, you know, she yeah. was drinking oh, like yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then yeah. just like sp- – because I was like – that to me was such a beautiful, like, she spent the last couple episodes thinking that she's useless because she doesn't have magic. And so here she figured – it wasn't just that she, like – attacked she like had this whole plan of like i'm going to have alcohol in my mouth and spit it out into his flame mm-hmm. and it was so well thought out and i loved that mm-hmm. and then it just felt like yeah that she didn't go anywhere um and and she does so what she baba yaga said say the words and she says the words and she says right. basically like you know I, I i don't have it exactly written down but it was clearly a like invocation of baba yaga as this you know dark earth mother figure is the idea that now she has her magic back? She has to. I think Baba Yaga told her she can only get her magic back if she takes it from Siri. Right. Mm, yeah. She okay. told her basically. Um, here's how I, I can't give you your magic back. Here's how you can get it back. Um, and so I don't. I don't think she fully took her up on her deal yet. It's like that was like okay, let's meet and look at the contract, kind of. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, all right, we'll uh, we'll think about this. Uh, and it seems like she's she's trying to do that, right? But I mean, it's mm-hmm. I guess it's well, it's pretty clear, right? What, what's the last thing that happened? The the tele the they teleport through right. the portal that Siri opens, yeah. and she's like, 
like Fox said, she's going to mom her through it. She's going to take over for a while right. with yeah. her training. Yeah. But I also, part of me thinks that in the end, like, she's not going to be able to. I'm like, come on, Yen, don't right. do it. Like, so I think Baba Yaga wants her to bring Siri to her. Right. Is that? I think she wants her to bring her to the monolith, right? Is it the monolith? I think so. And that, but then, I mean, who knows where Baba Yaga is? Like, she, the deathless mother. Um, which, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Um, it, it, to me, I feel like Yen is in the process of growing, but not in that sort of, she hasn't leveled up. She hasn't reached mm-hmm. the sort of, in yeah. terms of like personal development, mm-hmm. but she's like, trying to deal with not having her magic basically and and being you know just like a normal person and but like being like i'm not a normal person so you know (laughs) see these sparkly robes yeah (laughs) (laughs) which like just for a moment can we just like 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 hiding in a giant purple robe with Yaskier with his flamboyant cl- like can we get some like gray down on or it. brown like because at close, least like... Sir, Sir Cheekbones was green right right exactly <laughs> but hers was still purple but then with Yaskier I'm like look at these two idiots <laughs> running around like worst. Christmas color, like purple and red yeah. it, you're both so frustrated by it but also like I would feel like if they did just both adopt like just gray brown rags be like that's not right for those characters True. like. <laughs> they don't care that much about not getting captured yeah. and killed. <laughs> they I, need to I look do. fabulous. Yennefer is much more the focus than she should be, but I do just need to say a few moments about uh, Yaskier. Uh, like he gets, like I'm getting such good Taylor Swift vibes from him in terms of his like <laughs> repeating the song again and again. That's clearly based on his old relationships, and like I love Taylor Swift, uh-huh. so I'm enjoying that. But also just like. He ba- like the 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 line about like you know Yennefer doesn't get to be the one who um Geralt rescues that's his job like he wants to be the damsel right, in distress right. and I yeah. just thought it was such a brilliant like moment for him. I laughed when he said that. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you got me, Jasker. <laughs> and I really liked the way that they like they clearly have so much enmity towards each other, but they they know each other well enough. That when she comes in to try to rescue him, pretending to be drunk, like he immediately picks up on right. the game she's playing, you know, and plays right into it. And they just they had mm-hmm. great like back and dynamic there that I really appreciated. Yeah, me too. Where where did we leave him? I know in, she was going somewhere, but where did he did where did he go? I think he didn't go anywhere. Okay. I think he's still there. She because she wait. At the, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have it in my notes, I'm sure. Let me see. No, yeah, I think that's just kind of where we leave him. Yeah. Because she gets captured by the guards and then taken to Baba Yaga and they get separated then. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So he's he's basically still captured or captured again, right? And, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. I think so. It sounds right, right to me. So yeah, Going so forward. <laughs> so and 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 as you said, like we do get the the, the joint custody moment. Like now, Siri's going to be with her for a while. Uh, I think. I mean, I couldn't imagine a world in which. Go ahead. I just want to intercede and say it was a little bit more of a kidnapping. I think than like a joint custody sort of thing. You know, yeah. like. Yeah, I don't think uh, the, Siri knows she's kidnapped. Yeah, though. yeah, exactly. Like, the way Geralt reacted was, like, she took her. 
Not like, mm-hmm. oh, she'll be with her for a while. Cool. <laughs> he was kind of like, oh, yeah, you can teach her some. What the fuck? No. T- <clears throat> I mean, he's like, yeah, no. Exactly. I was too. I was like, what are you doing? I'm going to say he's more mad at her that she just like took her. So having yeah. worked at uh, having worked at a divorce attorney, uh, having worked for a divorce attorney for two years, that's not actually completely uncommon in the way custody <laughs> arrangements wind up. But yes, no, I agree with you. It's not a uh, <laughs> Gerald wasn't happily dropping her off and planning to have her back by the next weekend. Right, right. You know? <laughs> so, anything else about Yen's story you want to talk about before we get into some of the other storylines that we get? I mean, I personally think she's just clearly conflicted in terms of like she definitely wants her magic back. You know, but she also, I think, wants to be sort of like this little family kind of. And I think she yeah. really does enjoy teaching, you right. know, like, I, I thought it I was think, interesting I think that, that, uh, meant that when they met back her, up, you know, Gerald's like, hi, how are you still trying to have kids? Like, <laughs> it was maybe the third question he asked her. But now <laughs> letting her magic's back, like, knock that one down. Yeah, right. Well, I think, wasn't there something I think about, she's over it. I, I feel I, I think yeah. I remember that she said something that kind of made it that opened the door for him to ask that. Like she said something about how she was still looking for, you know, okay. A cure. Or she was still waiting to be healed or was there to get healed. Right. Is that what that tower was? I was very confused about where they were. It was cool. Yeah. It's like a citadel. Mm-hmm. It's like a temple. I think it where, sounds right. Yeah. I think it sounds right. It was cool. Yeah. And I, I think also it, it was only a small part of her story, but I, I'm, I'm still really struck by in season one, when she's assigned to protect this princess and they get attacked and she and like the princess is horrible, clearly, like the princess is like, right. here, kill my baby. Just let me live. So I don't feel bad about this. But, you know, at one point, Yennefer just abandons her to try and get away herself mm-hmm. uh, and then comes back to try to save the baby specifically. Um, and I, I, I do think that with Siri, we're going to get a, a repeat of that in some way. You know, that here again, she's supposed to be protecting someone. It may be actually that not only is it safer for her to get away, but that she could actually benefit greatly by giving Siri up to Baba Yaga or whatever it's going to be. And so she's going to be able to face a similar choice, but now do something, you know, now do the more noble, like I'm going to protect this person, not, not try to get my own, my own benefit here. Right. Yeah. I think she'll have the hero turn at the end, Mm -hmm. but we have to just go through the same shit over and over again with her. Right. So I want to talk, uh, turn to Geralt's story, but we can start with kind of something about Yen because we basically get a meeting, uh, the meeting of the uh, the Yen's exes society, which I really appreciate. So between, funny, like Geralt and uh, Is- <laughs> I want to call him Isiliador, which is wrong. But Isiliador, that's so Lord of the Rings of you. Oh, it is very much. Definitely- what is it? It, it? It's something with an I. His name's Istred, not Isiliador. Uh, but yeah, I I really like their dynamic, especially because. It could have fallen into a lot of really bad tropes of the two of them just like either constantly like griping to each other about how awful she was to them or this one upsmanship of like, well, I treated her better. And I felt like there was a little bit of that. Like they acknowledged that they kind of were a little tense with each other, but also had some shared shared history. And then they just moved on to like the whole monolith quest. And I I, I found it really enjoyable, like the little bit they gave us, but but happy they didn't go deeper. Yeah, I agree. And and so what you, what was your take on what we learned about the monoliths now? So they're not conduits, they're beacons? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? 
I'm pretty sure we don't know anything yet. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, they told us, like, like yeah, right? Like, they... Those little people, those, uh, the, out of the five new characters that we got in the last two episodes. The, <laughs> oh, uh, all the new characters. So the, many new characters. The lawyer and his associate. I don't know. I'm just going to call them Nelson and Murdoch. Um, so Foggy and Matt were figuring that out in the in the library with is is good. Oh, then yeah, yeah, Penn and Teller. Yeah, they were. I actually like rewound that a couple times. That we can go we'll, with we'll just choose random different <laughs> pairs of people. Siegfried and Roy are there in the bookstore. <laughs> so when Siegfried was going through the books, uh, she was like, you know, they're not. It was right. um, it was translated wrong, and it wasn't that they were conduits. It's that it's that they were like sending out a right. beacon. Right. To bring forward new monsters, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were all coming because of Siri. Right. right? That's that sounds that's in, right. in a in yeah, a bow. It got very confusing. But I think they were trying to say. You know, I I made but this why? comment before. I really enjoy stories. I think when there's stories where there's something about the science or the magic, and the the technical details of it matter, I like it most when you don't ask me to care. You know, like when it's just like. So so many gigawatts are yeah. needed to make the flux capacitor go. Don't try to understand it. Here's just the language we're using. Let's tell a story about it. But once we like, and so if it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> monoliths were protecting the world from monsters. Monoliths are breaking. Monsters are coming back. Cool. Um, and clearly that's connected to series some way. And I'm into that. And right. I, cool. I felt like we did learn a lot of interesting stuff about the history and like, this whole thing, there, there was one great set of lines that I wanted to remember um, where it was. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, mages weaponized monsters, fucking idiots. Mages weaponized men, thus creating the witchers. And like, so I, I really appreciated that. I think there's there's going to be something about Siri and her blood, I think, and the creation of the monoliths. But yeah, once we got into all these technical details about the monoliths, I I kind of checked out. I was like, this this is not a, a a fun kind of story to tell. Yeah, it's like you had to bring these two characters in to try to easily talk us through mm -hmm. something that you want us to know. That's very complicated, and then that's why they were like A, B, and C means this, and we just know everything because we know things. And I'm like, oh, so you're here to help me. And I still don't know what you guys are talking about. But, like, I, I, it is funny that they felt the need to put. And that one guy is a very famous actor. I love him in everything, and I don't know his name. <laughs> the guy who played, uh, I Siegfried. don't know the name. Yeah. Siegfried, yeah. Romy, Romy not Romy, Michelle. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> to me, so, like, in terms of that type of story, I can enjoy a lot a story that does something like what you're saying, Matthew. But. In a show like this, where they basically don't ask us to think about or care about the meaning of these mm -hmm. things for like nine out of ten episodes. And then they kind of gradually, they just have like a couple references here and there. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to try to like just force feed you all of this information and theory or whatever. I feel like that doesn't yeah. work well. I feel like you have to be telling that story from the beginning. And you have to kind of like let us know, look, this is the type of story this is going to be, or this is going to be an important thing here. And it felt sort of like they were kind of like, I oh, am yeah, monolith, like she split the thing, okay, whatever. But like, and they're like, now here's all this big revelation. It's like, you haven't gotten me to care about it enough before, you know, it, if we were telling more of right. Istrid's story, right, right where, um, because he was really into the monoliths. 
And if he had been talking about theories in episode like two and six and then like episode one and three of this season or something, like they could have maybe worked it in in a way that felt like we were prepared to like have this revelation like be meaningful. But here it's like, okay, I don't, I don't really care if they're beacons or they're conduits or whatever. Like you, you didn't make me care about that early enough. Like now you're just trying to dump it all on me at once. And it feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, and and also it all has to kind of make sense in a way, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you start talking about things that in your setting are like technical terms or whatever, like, there has to be some internal logic and you have to give us the tools to understand that right. as opposed to being like, I, I okay, here's everything that's happening. Um, okay. Jeff okay, Randall recently made the mistake of telling me that he's been reading through all the books, uh, which means that he has now volunteered to be on a um, uh, episode Uh-oh. to like uh, go over this and talk about the book questions we have. Um, but one of my questions is, I wonder if this is an issue that's discussed at much greater length in the books. And so they wanted to kind of play some lip service to it here uh, which I, I get the desire for, but I think as someone, mm. you need to make a show yeah. that still makes sense to the people who haven't read the books. And I just think that the, the, there's a lot of love. Don't worry. But like that, that one detail yeah. just really fell flat. That I mean, that's the challenge of like making a, I mean, a series from books, I guess, makes sense, right? Trying to make a movie mm-hmm. out of, out of a novel, I think is generally a disaster, um, yeah. I think you need a series out of out of a out of a novel, and short stories make great movies. And like here, you know, there's there's a lot of short stories in this world, and I feel like they're kind of I I don't know all the stories, but from just reading about it, it seems like they've got some episodes that are based on a short stories. Uh, like this short story is the inspiration for this. This short story is the inspiration for that, and then they're trying to work some of the novel stuff in as well. And it, it feels like maybe trying to synthesize all this stuff into one series um, is, I mean, it just sounds like a hell of a challenge in the first place. And like, yeah. maybe they're not, yeah. you know, hitting a home run with that. Yeah. We got so much information the last two episodes. Yeah. Just about like backstory, like Siri and all her stuff, mm-hmm. and the witchers and all their stuff. And they're really gross needles <laughs> that I don't understand why they have to have six prongs, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it just felt like a whole lot at once. We were joking about like, I think that's going to be one of the challenges of, of covering these two episodes is that like, we're, we're not just, gonna, we, we can't do plot summary on this. There's so much that happens. Right. We're just like, mm-hmm. let's see what we can discuss. Um, but so, so anyway, while um, the Yen X Club is off doing their Mongol adventures, <laughs> Siri is back. Uh, and I, this was one of my favorite storylines. Um, what did you all think of what, the, the, the way it emerged with Siri, you know, uh, uh, Vesemir wanting to take her blood and her saying, like, that price of that is that I get to become a witcher? Yeah. I mean, if I was her age, I would see it that way, too. You know? It was like, it's the honorable thing. Plus, she wants to be more than she is. She wants to be able to run with all them. And she's what, 14? Yeah, she's like 15? 13 or 14. There's one line where she says, I'm not a girl, you know? And, I, th- mm-hmm. you know, I think that's true-ish, you know? It's like, I, I, I think I've heard her referred to as like a very young girl or whatever, which definitely does, has always struck me as like, mm, that's not quite it. Like, she's either a very young woman or a very old child, but like really she's a teen, which is in between. And that's just a thing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. in that world, like you could look at our world and be like, oh, kids grow up so fast these days. Yeah, in some ways. But like they're not necessarily I mean, some are, but 
most of the kids that people are talking about when they say that aren't literally running for their lives and, you know, learning magic and learning, yeah. you know, sword fighting and falling off of things and getting attacked by monsters all the time. So, I mean, some people right. are and they grow up really fast <laughs> in that regard. But it's like, it's a different life there, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and so, like, yeah, it seems like a reasonable demand to me. And, like, as Vesemir, like, I think, yeah, if that's what she wants, that's what she wants, you know. Depending on how you think about these things, you could be like, well, let's wait for Geralt to get back first. That maybe is a... That probably... That's not the worst idea. On the other hand, like, I don't know. I respect her agency. Like, I think a 13-year-old should be able to make a lot of decisions that in our world, people don't think 13-year-olds should be able to make. And I don't think they're necessarily going to make great ones, but, you know, neither do older adults. Right, exactly. You're a witcher Um, now. Having said that, like, (laughs) she already has her blood. So her blood coming out of her and then making something and going back into her, like, I don't know. Is that really necessary? I think that was part of the point was that in part because she's been, like, locked away from so much of, of knowledge of herself and her powers, but also because, like, she's been frustrated by the power that she actually has she kind of wants to be this different thing, right. you know? Yeah, and, like, yeah. Triss mm-hmm. is there to be like, what, what do you mean be a witcher? You could be a wizard. You could right, be right, right. even more than a wizard. You could be, like, you know, Blood Mage 3000. Like, whatever the hell it is they're building <laughs> it to be. And, and I feel like it's, it's like, well, but being a witcher is something I can look at, I can name, mm-hmm. I can touch. And I, yeah, I, I love the way that played out. Again, I, I don't know why, but it's been such a big deal to me when shows don't fall into tropes. Mm. Like, this could have so easily been... Vesemir wants to kill her to get the blood sure. and she has to get away. Yeah. We didn't have I'm any so of that. I'm so glad it wasn't that. <laughs> we had Vesemir really respecting her agency and trying to talk her out of it, but then being willing to, to go yeah. with it. Um, and yeah, and it left me like, I I get the why, but I was kind of disappointed that Gerald just shut it all down when he came back oh, and then yeah. insisted they leave. Yeah, you know, yeah. th- that again felt to me a bit contrived. It felt like we need a way to get them out of this mm-hmm. uh, castle. So mm-hmm. let's just have him be upset about that. Yeah, I did like him in that scene, though, because he's like, you know, you're amazing. You're enough. Like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. I, and, it, you know, yeah, I love it would have been painful. Like, it didn't look like it was gonna right, be right, painful. right. I mean, he, he knows that like 19 out of 20 of them like die from it, you know, and right. I, I do. I did find his words very touching. Like, you're enough. You're extraordinary. Like, you don't need this That's... other thing. You know. Then again, like dual classing is very attractive, right? Like, you yeah. get this set of this this class's skills, and you get. Another, I mean, maybe she could still multi-class. I don't know how it works with humans in this world. If it's like D and D, where you you know, but like it. It's too it, much I, I, at this point. Yeah. I do really appreciate it, like, not going into just, like, super tropish land. I was really concerned. They're just going to be like, ha, 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 we can make more witchers. Like, exactly. and they're like, oh, we can make more witchers, but we actually have a real dilemma here. And we need to talk to her about it and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And and I, that part kind of counterbalanced the, oh, I guess that was episode five, right? And then episode mm-hmm. six was the one yes. where they off Roach. And so episode yeah. five, I think I mostly liked the thing at the end where I loved what Geralt was saying to her, but like, I don't love him being like, it's not your choice. I'm basically just going to take you. And it's like, you know, y- yeah. you've been looking over for what, like a month, maybe a few yeah. months, like, eh, you know, maybe you're a little bit overstepping your, you know, but I, I, but I, I did get think it. one thing. One thing I will say that is, because again, it, 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 they set this up in a way that no one is right, right. you know? 
and because mm-hmm. I think she should have the agency. One thing that made me think maybe she doesn't quite understand what she's doing, maybe this is just bad writing, but I think it's meant to show that she doesn't really understand it, is she says, in terms of why she wants to be a witcher, I've destroyed so many things. Please just let me heal something once. <laughs> it's like I get what she means, <laughs> but witcher and healing, not like... It, it, to me, it's that she has this very romanticized idea of, like, they're there to help. Right. But we've seen from him so much, like, no, you're there to kill. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. people might be helped by what you kill, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you are you are destroying yeah. things. You're, you're, you, you're not a healer. You might be a protector through violence by destroying something else. But, you right. know. That's why he's right. She doesn't even know what she's talking right. about. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe she should have hung out there and learned healing from, from Triss, and then she could have fucking saved Roach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nice. Always start with the but, healing spells. Come on. So I'm so confused what we're dark phoenixing oh. with her. Because now she's the one, right? She's the one. She's she's an elf. She's the one. She's going to bring, you know, chaos and ruin to yeah, everybody. Yeah. She's um, a mage. She's a princess. Yeah. Am I missing anything? <laughs> No, that's pretty much, uh, you know, I mean, orphan, orphans generally, that's that's part of orphans. the whole dark phoenixy thing. TBD, witcher, yeah. mm-hmm. elder blood, whatever yeah, that means. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, so because so, the next thing that happens for both of them is uh, they go to this temple, right. which to me, there's, there's a whole fun thing with Geralt I want to get onto yeah. about, it's kind of a mirror of the custody thing with Yen. First they get Roach killed, then they walk to the temple. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, so what, and then she goes on this kind of like dark journey of the soul. Um, it, well, there's the thing with know, Triss first. She does that in episode yeah, five that was with, with Triss. Triss. And that's okay, where Triss that's is right. like, oh, okay. she's going to fuck everything up. She's the child and of I'm like, chaos. Triss, are you going to tell anybody? Right. Yeah, that, that moment felt, I felt like Triss would be the last one to blame, to like be angry at Siri for being something that she has no control. Right, over. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that felt um, a little weird to me. I think. I think that she's so like traumatized by fire because right. wasn't there was there a lot of fire in that? Yeah, yeah, she got all scarred up. She, right? she, yeah, I, think, I, I don't know whether that's what we were supposed to think, but yeah, she didn't tell Vesmir. She didn't wait for uh, Geralt to tell him because that's obviously the first thing you right. would do. I think she goes and tells Tessaia, but like, why are you telling right. her? Yeah, yeah, that that didn't all line up to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, but that was a great scene. It really was. Like, I'm very curious. It, it's in that place. It's almost hard to talk about right now because there's so much of this is just the building anticipation of big reveals. You know, right. and we don't know what they're going to reveal yet. Um, switching back to Gerald's story, I, I don't know if this was intentional, but I saw a fun um, parallel here. You know, like we said, like Siri is now off with Yen, like you know, the adoptive mom instead of the adoptive dad. Meanwhile, we've had Geralt be with uh, Vesemir, who clearly was like this father figure who raised him for a while, and then goes to this temple with mm-hmm. like this mother figure yeah, who yeah, raised yeah. him for a long yeah. time. And like, I, I love her. I, I love her. I love that. But I, like, do you think that was intentional that we were kind of seeing that like Geralt had kind of like an adoptive mom who took custody of him for a while with the mm-hmm. Yennefer thing, or is that just a weird coincidence? Yeah, no. No, I think so. <laughs> And I, like I, I don't believe in coincidence when writers are involved. Like, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I think it's very clearly like supposed to be that that kind of parallel, you know. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. That's probably true. Um, oh, and then she also had she knew that 
um, Siri was this like dangerous child, yeah. right? She had some, I forget how she knew, but like. So her name, the, the temple is Nanika and her name is Nenika. Nenika. Um, and I do love that, like, she, she's presented very much as kind of like a Buddhist monk type, like, you know, very serene, mm. very like, come here and stare into the water and trim the trees and everything will be peaceful. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things she said is, I don't see on any, I don't see any side in which you're not entirely fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is just <laughs> yeah. such a like nice, like, nope, this isn't quite the character you think you are. And that's kind of awesome. Yeah, she still felt a little mm, sort of magical, tropish person to me. Fair. But, well, look at where they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the whole, like, um, you know, the, the, I don't see any side on which you are not entirely fucked was uh, a somewhat trope subverting thing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um. So anything else on Gerald's story with her? Or Gerald's story or series story? Because uh, it's funny. In fir- well, the first couple episodes, we can kind of sum everything up with those two. Now the plot is – the party is splitting. There's more side stories emerging and there's characters. more characters being I guess introduced. We got to talk about Riance and Lydia, the guy who's after Siri and who hi- – like. I don't know who. Uh, hired the new... her. That's my only thing with her story. Yeah, like, Firefinger. Yeah, like, do we need more characters? Like, do we really, really need more characters? I feel like um, Nenika's story really gets interrupted. Like, we don't get, um, we don't get everything that we could out of, out of her story, kind of because right. we end up doing, you know, Fireboy and. Uh, Firefucker, what was this what he's called? Firefucker, Firefucker. yeah. <laughs> and friends. I was like, thank you, because I do not care to know yeah. his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, oh, he's not dead, or is he dead? Do we? What happened? What was the no, last? no. He, um, did he run away, or he portal away, or something? He got fireball in the face, but I think he was the part of the group that that wound up robbing the the Witcher castle, and so he now has the Witcher blood. Right. Yeah, but, he got the blood. So. He was trying to melt the door to get to Yen right. and Siri, and then uh, Geralt threw a sword at him, and he pivoted yeah. and then went through his own. Oh, portal. okay, so he portaled off. I do like the fire, the fire chaos. Yeah, stuff, yeah, the fire though. looks like cool. him controlling yeah. it. I was like, cool. That that end fight was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was totally agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. Yeah, and then and then we also get a lot more of the politics. And I know this is generally the thing that I'm more into than the two of you, but I'm I'm curious how you thought of what we're seeing in Zentria, where we're kind of seeing like now that Cahill is back, like Nilfgaard is clearly not the sort of like roses and 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 glory non-imperialists we thought. Like the the, the racism towards the elves is coming back. A lot of the tensions between the two sides, and we're getting this interesting story of. Like Fringilla is kind of being reduced to being second in command again, and Francesca and the elves are encouraging her to take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't trust the elves, uh, especially not Francesca. But I do feel like we saw Fringilla start to make a, like a better character turn mm-hmm. from where she was at the end of the first season. You know, seeing that Nilfgaard's not good, and I think she's going to try to help them towards the end but i don't know now they said that the the golden god or whatever's coming they're the white, white the white flame 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we always knew that Nilfgaard were imperialists, right? And that they were horrible, right. mm-hmm. but that by allying with the elves, they kind of painted themselves as being, you know, the good guys by, you know, they overthrew, like empires overthrow empires, right? Or mm-hmm. fight against one another. And that's basically what was, you know, what's been going on here. And it's like, oh, we're not them. We're not the ones who genocided you. We're the ones right. who are going to genocide you later. But let's not talk about that now. For now, we'll be friends as long as you're useful to us. And then as soon as they're right. not as useful to them, because they're like, you know what? Maybe maybe we don't want to fight. Like, as soon as that's the case, like, you know, then they're like, okay, well, we don't have any use for you anymore. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think I find the Zentria sort of politics much more interesting than the um, Aretuza politics. Like, mm-hmm. in Aretuza, I kind of feel like I don't even really know what anybody really wants. Like, they just, I guess, want power or to protect their asses or whatever. And some of them seem like like their allies are totally just of convenience. Whereas in Nilfgaard um, and Zentria and, you know, th- like the elves. And I feel like they all, not so much Fringilla. Well, no, Fring- I feel like they all have some sort of motivation that's not just power yeah and fringilla i think starts from this very self-preserving sort of cover her ass kind of position and i think she becomes genuinely friends with francesca and that doesn't yeah i like their dynamic yeah me too and that doesn't like remove the sort of manipulative try to look out for yourself you know aspects of fringilla's personality and where she's coming from i mean she was brought up in the mage society right her uncle is a mage or something right is Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so she's probably had that like around her whole life but like it's sort of i i feel like the situation with francesca kind of shows her that something else might be possible Mm -hmm. so um so i i I think I, i think she's one of the more interesting characters and seeing where she and, um, you know, Francesca and the elves and where they all kind of go. And, you know, Kahir is, um, you know, Sir Cheekbones. He's, like, got this <laughs> very... I was like, who's Kahir? You guys can say that. <laughs> like, I should know who we're talking. Oh. Right. <laughs> that was just to, to clarify. Um, <laughs> it, I, I think he's also got this somewhat complicated, like, he, he seems like a true believer of the White Flame, right? But then... Then he kind of had to come back a little bit in disgrace. And then now he's kind of sort of trying to cover his ass, but also like, like he's kind of trying to maneuver, but he's not so much a maneuverer. Like he's, yeah, you know, he's a, a, a general, right. Or a, whatever they called him, you know, a commander of, of yeah. the military. Yeah. He, he kind of remind he's older, but he reminded me somewhat of Draco Malfoy. In that he has this, like, he knows what he thinks is, like, who are his lessers and mm. who are his who are the people who are his equals. Mm-hmm. And he has no concept of the idea that, like, if you treat people like garbage, they're not going to be good to you. Right. You know? I like to call them whiny little bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a very fair description. I like it. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, and, and going to what you're saying, Paul, I, I, I think Frangilla – and going to what you're saying, Paul, I really like Frangilla because – in many ways, to me, her and Yannon feel very similar. You know, they both had this yeah. incredibly traumatic situation. 
they responded to it in different ways, but I ha- I have trouble thinking of Frangilla as like a totally evil baddie mm-hmm. when Yennefer I'm unforgiving for so many things because I know how traumatic her her backstory is, and and so yeah I, I I like the idea of all these different people who've been touched by Eretruza in these awful ways, all finding their paths and maybe to some extent all finding their way towards each other. And after he um, Sir Cheekbones had mentioned uh, that the White Flame was coming, she heard. Baba Yaga's voice. So are we supposed to think that she didn't take the deal with Baba Yaga yet? Who? Yennefer or Frangilla? Yeah, she hears like Baba Yaga oh. the kind yeah. of the way that Yen does. I, yeah, I think Frangilla and Francesca were just like, yep, show me the dotted line. But there's okay. like ongoing communication yeah. in terms of oh, okay, sort okay. of what. But right. you know, that's my interpretation of a not very explicit, you know. Okay. Because that also goes to the uh, the last big thing I want to talk about, which is the baby ex machina. Uh, <laughs> we have, like, you know, uh, this baby born. And I think the implication is supposed to be that it's because of something in the deal with Baba Yaga that that allowed Fringilla to do the magic or whatever it is that now elf babies can live. Um, but I, I, I was left wondering if, there, if it actually is connected in some way to the monoliths, you know, and that in some ways because of all the way the elves have been tied up with the magic, was it something like that whatever happened to build the monoliths was what was stopping elves from having babies. Mm. And and so now that that's broken, something's wide open again. Um, I I don't know. And I don't know if the show is supposed to think it's wide open or is there something I was missing there? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like the baby thing is very clearly the, um, you know, the, the deathless mother Thing, but there mm-hmm. certainly could be some connection to the monoliths. It feels like it's all connected. But like how? I don't know. Will we know by the end of the season? I don't know. Okay. But like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if they're planning on a season three, probably not. Like, you know, probably <laughs> just more questions. <laughs> oh, no, I feel like they're, they're definitely, definitely planning on a season three. Yeah, season yeah, yeah. Three. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would I would not expect to get a super clear explanation of everything that's going on. But yeah, the, the baby definitely seems to be, um, I mean, to me, it seems like the deathless mother manipulating Francesca, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. just wants to get her to do what she wants her to do. Cause that, I didn't, that baby didn't sound very alive. And then, uh, Frangela didn't use any magic to, to make the baby start crying. I'm like, something's going on here. Right, right, right. (laughs) And Francesca is encouraged, like she wants Frangilla to just take over and kick out Mr. Cheekbone. Oh yeah, yeah. Mr. Cheekbone. Girl power. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot to do there. Um, and I guess kind of... that dude is the father. We didn't have that really confirmed until the baby was born. I thought, Blondie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, full of Andrew, right? Mm-hmm. Phil yeah. I just I'm telling yeah. you, it sounds like a music venue. It, it sounds like uh, philandering to me, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, but... it's also just why Francesca. I remember when I suggested, I was, I was like, oh, it's something like Francesca, but of course it can't right. be that. And they were like, oh, wait, no, and it you is. You were 100% like, right. Yeah, Francesca <laughs> that, that, and Phil Because <laughs> it's that, like. Frangilla. It's, it's always. And granted, Francesca is not the most, like, you know, common name, especially to us in, like, the United States, but, like, well, it's a quite common name in, like, Italy or places like that. Well, and, like,. Having all these names that feel so like for you know D and D world, and then just every now and then someone's named Bob, 
It I know. Just feels I was, was going to say Bob. It's like, and here is Yaskier and Bob on bass. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although I will say that, you know, they're Polish and not the books, right? Yeah. And so Francesca maybe sounds more exotic like it's from the south of europe you know from yeah that sounds very italy right so that (laughs) does i think sound very foreign if you're polish maybe more so than if you're from the united states and you're like well like there's a lot of jennifer is clearly an eastern european version of jennifer it's not really no it's ashley didn't you give us this information we did did we look that up yeah we looked this up it's actually specifically a name um Oh, I mean, it can be, I think, but it's no. There's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up again. Mm-hmm. That was my my assumption, but it it means white. It's 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 often it's often derived from a right. The first thing I found is that it's often derived from the Welsh name, uh, Gwynfar, which is uh, which is part of the derivation of Guinevere. Right, right. And my understanding is that Jennifer is a derivation of Guinevere. It means white fairy. Yeah. Uh, white phantom is that what yours says yeah white fairy white phantom oh maybe it is the name of jennifer is somewhat poised version of the name jennifer which is the polish pronunciation is jennifer so you say jennifer and polish as jennifer yeah i thought you sent us something that was like showed some other etymology i'm gonna have to dig this up we're sending Paul on a mission. No, Paul is sending himself on a mission. Thank you very much. Okay. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, one does not simply um, send Paul on mission. <laughs> um, I have one last little thing to comment on. Any other kind of big stuff on the, uh, on these topics that we wanted to get into? Um, I'm really over that guy snapping all the time. If he could stop doing that, I'd be very happy. <laughs> That's legit. That's legit. I think, I think I pretty much covered whatever I have to say. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that old couple that was like helping them get answers. I got such like Billy Crystal and oh yes. uh, uh, the wife from the um the Princess Bride. It'll take a never- miracle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they even have so... like that couple in like the Never Ending Story. They live at that little hut. <laughs> right oh yeah, that's the... right. That's right. I, I... All right. It... Go ahead. Oh, I'll just summarize by saying I've liked each two episodes less than the prior two episodes. So <laughs> the series began with like I have no complaints. Like I have significant complaints. Um, we got pretty far before we started to have significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the first know. half it was mild complaints. You know, it was like very light complaining. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Then like I, you know, I like it. It's like now I've got some significant complaints. I'm I'm prepared for the last two episodes to absolutely hate them, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I I think I, I've I've liked them all. Like I hated the Roach thing, and I I got confused by some parts of this. But overall, I've liked it. But it's we're getting to a point where there's so many balls up in the mm. air that I'm curious how they're going to resolve all of them. And granted, they have two, not a lot one, of balls, but so yeah, many balls. Too. But um, that's a different version of the Gerald story. Um, but I, and maybe this is in part. Somewhat a lot of shows, but especially Disney Plus has kind of made me a bit jaded of like, we're always going to get to a show and then the last episode is not going to be a satisfactory of like wrapping everything up. Mm. And I'm so I'm nervous about that going into these last two, but I'm hopeful, you know, we, we may we may get something good. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite last episode of a TV series ever almost was season two of Mandalorian. So, you know, Disney Plus can they can do it. Oh wait, this is yeah, Netflix. That's true. Yeah, Netflix. They can do it it's too. Netflix. They, can, they we'll, can do it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm not 
bracing for impact. So I guess uh, the last thing I have is that they were trying to say that Siri was a weapon built by the elves to destroy man. Oh, yeah. Is that what? And all I could hear is that it was they translated it wrong by Laura Dern. Right. I'm sure that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that she's a, a weapon, not a. What was the yeah. other word there? She was a weapon built by the elves to destroy man. Right. And they built a warrior, and it's mistranslated by Laura Dern. So it's not warrior, it's weapon. Right. That mm. was the mistranslating oh, okay. by uh, Bert and Ernie. Right. Okay. <laughs> it, so, it, so it's weapon. It is weapon. It's not warrior. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... That's all yeah. I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and if she's there to destroy man, I say go for it. You know, do it, do girl. it. Yeah, get it done. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both as always. It was a great conversation. Um, we'll figure out a time where we're going to watch the last two and then record on those as well. Um, as I'm recording this, it is the 27th of December. Hopefully, this should be up by tomorrow morning, the 28th, if not sooner. Uh, and it's important to know that because by the 29th, uh, the Book of Boba Fett will be coming out. The first episode. Ashley and I and possibly Paul will be recording on that at 6 p.m. Eastern on the 29th to make sure we get you coverage the the day it comes out. So if you see it before then and you want to give us some feedback on the episode, you want to ask questions, tell us what you thought for us to discuss on air, uh, definitely send in an email to theethicalpanda at gmail.com, theethicalpanda at gmail.com, all one word. Um, and, of course, you can find all the great stuff about this podcast and all the other podcasts that I'm a part of at TheEthicalPanda at Gmail. Uh, at, you can find great information about this podcast and the other podcasts that I helped to put together and as well as all of our contact information at TheEthicalPanda.com. That's a great way to find our uh, Facebook, our Twitter. If you want to uh, send thoughts on, on this episode we just talked about for The Witcher or anything else, we would love to hear you. So definitely check all that stuff out. And for the, the two of you, Paul, um, where, where can people find what you're doing these days? Uh, Zen Madman, blah, blah, blah. That's <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, I'm with what you said, so you covered me. Awesome, yeah. Ashley, definitely check out on the MCU cast, on, on pretty much everywhere on Stranded Panda Podcast Network. So I'm having myself, Ashley, Paul. Thank you all so much, and have a great day. Bye. Uh, bye, yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.